BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I have the disease that the, the chronic can't listen to gross mouth noise, other noises symptom. I should look at the actual I think name. that's just being a human. Yeah, what? yeah, but there is like a disorder. <laughs> no, There's I know. This very specific. My I know. family used to make fun of me all the time for it, as families do with you uh, and everyone. But what's your reaction? Like, do you get sick? Do you get I angry? I get like, <laughs> I can't. Uh, sometimes it's a it's the way people swallow. Sometimes it's the way someone's mouth is not hydrated enough, and they get that like, oh. Um, eating bananas is like a huge no-no for me. Uh, <laughs> my dad used to do this thing where he would like make Swiss Miss instant hot cocoa and he would do this thing where he would like blow on it and then he'd like, like slurp it into his <sighs> mouth oh, and I would just fucking flip out. I had to like get up and leave the room and like, like take a walk around the block to cool down. <laughs> no, I, I understand. About it. I get very upset. Um, yeah, it's, it's a little, it's a little much for me. I even like, I feel like when I go out to eat, I feel like I'm constantly covering my mouth with my hand when I chew. Mm-hmm. Um, even cause I don't want to disrupt people. And there's times when I'm premenstrual where my own chewing and mouth noises disgust me. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it's <laughs> a very real. <laughs> so does this disorder have a clinical term? Yes. Yes. Hold misinfoma, on, hold on. I believe it's called. Hold for it. What were you saying? Misinfoma. Yeah. Yeah. We are just filled with fun facts. And when I found out what it was. Same. I was misinfoma, like. There's a I name for it. I sent it to my family and I was like, fuck you guys. <laughs> it's real. And they were like, whatever, you're still a crazy. Interesting that you're talking about mouth noises in general too. We, uh, we've been getting reviews since one week ago when we got a really nice pop and a mention from my favorite murder. Thank and, you, ladies. And I was like, wonderful. The, the minute the minute you reach the outside world, you know, I was like, you know, you've made it when the negative uh, reviews start oh, coming yeah. in. Bring them, baby. We're like, we're in the matrix, people. Yeah. We just got a, a petty one star with no comment. Someone who's just like, fuck you and your five star rating. Um, because it was all of our moms and friends who were like, I love my daughter's podcast. Um, and then someone uh, wrote a lovely and helpful review about our levels and sounds and, you know, but mention something because people start to get crazy and will literally critique your podcast for the way your voice sounds. Oh. And you're like, cool, can't fix that, but we can work on our audio, which 
Brian. I'm sure Brian no, I, Lucas. I fixed mine. I'm sure the I changed episode my they voice. To was one of the episodes where I was in charge of running the soundboard. Oh, totally. And and that's just it too. Is like we do work with a pro, and the truth is we all talk at different levels. Like some days I'm a, I'm I'm screaming into this mic, and other days I'm not paying attention. So, but I thought that was funny. It was it, it was an overall really cool positive note. But it was like, hey, can you just like be cognizant of your levels, like audio wise? And that person has the misinfoma. They have them <laughs> for fucking sure. So, um, supersonic hearing. Guys, should we welcome our new listeners since yeah. we've actually got a nice little fan base now? Bienvenidos, everyone. Hi, Bienvenidos. everyone out there. Hello, I'm Brooke. I have served for 15 years. Hey, I'm Andrea. I've, good night. I get, I would say probably 10 to 15. I wish, I should actually really break it down sometime. Yeah. Just from, from start to finish. Jocelyn, solid 10 years. I know exactly the date and time. So I know. You know what it began. Kyle is sitting out uh, this episode because she's touring the world with Jonathan Van Ness as his comedy show opener, which is amazing. Very JVN, amazing. NBD. You right? Know what I'm Very good. But we do miss you, Kyle. Come back. Come, Come back, home. honey. Come back. Uh, so thank you, everybody. We got this awesome influx of server-submitted stories, which was like pulling teeth earlier, you know, and I appreciate everyone who has sent us some in the past, but I was like, whoa, like everyone has a great tale to tell. They're all really funny writers. They've all been trained very well by My Favorite Murder. <laughs> you can tell. They're like, oh my God, here's my story, and it has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and a punchline, and I'm like, they should just host this show, goddammit. <laughs> They're funnier than us. Um, but I, oh, and I had, we had our first uh, fans of the podcast show up at my show last night. Oh my God. Isn't That's that crazy? Amazing. They're like, Brooke from Sidework Podcast, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> It is. Uh, and I think it was like Bree or Brittany or Beth. It was a B name. I apologize. I was hosting the show and uh, in a bit of a crazy space. But thank you for coming to see the live comedy show, which makes me think we will probably start pushing toward a live um, podcast show at some point here in L.A. or another big city. Yeah, we'll just be working stage shifts at different <laughs> restaurants. We can, we can come to the restaurant. We'll wait on you. That's our show. Dude, I would do that, though. I mean, why we should just podcast from behind the bar. Tableside guacamole. <laughs> and podcast. Yeah. Dude, we just roll up with three mics and a, what are those things called? You crush uh, avocados in? I for The, the mortar and pestle? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You call it guadahole or something. Sure. Well, I, uh, I picked uh, two server-submitted stories to kick off today's episode. Great. Would one of you like to read one first? Yeah. I have it printed out for ease. Ooh. Anyone first? So this is um from a Cassie, which is at dash Cassie Monster dash. I don't know if it's underscore cast. No, it's not underscore. No, okay. It is a. Hello, new listener here. I'm not even done with the most recent episode, but wanted to submit this story. I worked in a 50s themed diner for 11 years. Nightmare. But it's locally owned and better than a lot of other places in town. But fuck, have I seen some wild shit. Anyways, we had a huge milkshake bar. Uh, We have a huge milkshake bar to fit the 50s style theme. And one night right before close this older guy comes in to order a shake we just got done with a rowdy 50 top jesus who all got shakes jesus christ getting a little wild with that already insane night that is insane i can't even imagine having to make 50 milkshakes anyway and so all the shake glasses were in the dish pit 
right? Obviously. So the soda jerk gave him a shake in the tin and explained that the clean glasses would be ready soon. He flipped his shit and stomped into the kitchen to yell at the dishwasher. I came around the corner with food, like, still in my mouth, probably because she's shoving food in her mouth for the first time after a 50 top. It's hard work. And promptly told him he had to exit the kitchen and would bring him one when it was ready. Two minutes later, we bring the glass and he says he can pour it into the glass because we don't know what we're doing. He wound up spilling it all over the table and then started slurping it up from the table (laughs) with a straw. Which was kind of satisfying to watch, but also gross and disturbing. The end. Oh my God, hey, Cassie. Way to shake explain, you fucking dick. Yeah. Oh. Hi, 911. There's a psychopath demanding. Call it like a shakedown. We call it a shakedown story. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Honestly, at this point, when someone like gets up and marches into an area they're not allowed to be in, I'm like, this person's gonna start shooting. No, I mean, it's so it, it's like, hey, listen, this, it's terrifying. This is the line that that separates you from me. You do not have a right to be back here. Yeah, you truly don't. But it's like that guy who stormed the stage with Kamala Harris, and he just came on stage all a charging at her. And it's like, what is he gonna do? It's like when people are like enraged mm-hmm. at this point, I I'm running. I'm out of there. If I was her, I'd be running down the street <laughs> screaming for that place. I know. I'd be like, arrest this man. I just think the extra added stress of having a shake station at a diner is enough for me to like go Dude, bonkers. I mean, it's like it's like having to do espresso at a place you don't do espresso. It's like that one extra added. Yeah, it's a Bloody Mary thing. bar. It's, yes. it's from hell. It's straight from hell. And it's like the devil's work. And everyone, you know, it's like, of course, just just having a good old fashioned chocolate shake isn't enough for people these days. So I'm sure there's like a toppings bar, and it's like, what is this DQ? Like you, like restaurants make it so hard for themselves, where they're like, we're gonna have the most shakes available in the country, and then they're like, fuck us, what have we done? Okay, we got another story from Kate Simmer at Animal Tales with a Z. Hey, over my twelve years and counting. God bless. We will pray for you. Let's give her a bell. All right. Over my 12 years and counting in the service industry, I've worked at a variety of restaurants. Hoggy Doggies, an ice cream place whose slogan was Ho-Made Fries. Cute. H-O made fries? H-O. Okay. To a steakhouse owned by an old fat James Beard award-winning, quote, celebrity, end quote, chef. But this story is from somewhere in between. Oh, I feel her pain already. 12 years and counting. While I was in college, I worked at the Cheesecake Factory on Michigan Avenue in Chicago. Who's been there? I've been there. I probably have the Hobbit hole. Yeah, you go downstairs. It's It's a real Bilbo Baggins house kind of a place. It's as cheesecake factory as you can get. Okay. The most mysterious and specific decor in all of the restaurant At the land. bottom of the Hancock building. It's like, here's a magical poop-colored palace. Welcome. Lots of coppers. A lot of copper, a lot of browns, beiges. Okay. I was working a weekend closing station. Oh, my God. And I was seated at a last-minute big top. The hostess apologized, so you know it's bad. Two couples and a fifth wheel. Strawberry lemonades all around. Their food order was the equivalent of a Happy Meal. I go to refill the lemonades and come back and see position one licking ketchup off position six's bare foot. What? 
Brooke, real quick, are all of the stories that we got submitted um, have some disgusting licking or slurping action attached? There was just, th- just I need to prepare listen, myself it's emotionally. Okay. It's okay. These are the only two we're going to read this. I don't know, but the theme is just kind of writing itself today. My God. This is beyond off-putting. What do you do here? I don't know, girl. I just want to make sure they pay the check. And I feel that. I remember that. Especially those late night, because like most of the people are drunk, and they're wandering in. They're demanding all this food, acting like crazy people. Okay, back to her story. I know I'm not getting a tip at this point. (laughs) He returns a ketchup bottle to the table, business as usual. So fucking gross. How would anyone find that arousing? I guess, honestly, it could have been worse. At least I was lucky enough to not have a plate of wings thrown at me. That happened to another server during my time there. (laughs) She sucked, and we all secretly celebrated. (laughs) Love your show, Kate. As somebody who worked at House of Blues in Chicago, another tourist trap, it's very similar to Cheesecake Factory and probably the clientele they attract. It's... Chicago's like the biggest city in the Midwest, and it's a lot of people's big vacation. And you're and right on Michigan people, Avenues. You're right in the main shopping area. So it's that's very touristy. But like, I don't think these are people that go out to eat that often. Or if you're getting late night, it's late night Chicago. Chicago's a crazy drinking town. You're gonna get a bunch of ruckus. I mean, that's licking. that's just Ugh. that's fucking disgusting. That is. Like and you're like what what about the other people at the table? Do you not care what they think of you? Clearly, uh and then you have to walk up and because you want your tip, you can't give the hateful withering stare that you would normally do if you weren't working. No, this you know? is Cheesecake Factory. This is like I feel like those servers are the most oppressed of any other corporate <laughs> servers. They are so on top of things. They're always on top of refills. They always have that bread basket ready to go if you want another one. Like Cheesecake Factory is intense in terms of how the servers are attentive They're to the trained table. Like a, it's, it's a cult-like training process. They wear all white. It makes sense. That's like that's really crazy to me. I was like, everyone just looks like an orderly at a, at a fucking. You can imagine <laughs> how often how much bleach you need <laughs> after a shift with three hundred different cheesecakes. Brian actually has a really amazing story about the cheesecake factory. Wait, was that you? When you were like, no. did one day of training at the cheesecake factory? Wasn't that you? Oh, I applied at the cheesecake factory. But didn't you like walk out after like whose story was that? Well, I think like what they do is like you come in and it's like you do your first day of training and they show you a video and it's seriously like okay. I I was desperate and went into the Cheesecake Factory at the Grove when they were first opening and there's like 30 people already filling out an application. So I'm like, I probably don't have this job anyway. And then they're playing all their recruitment videos. And there's one that starts with like the bakery staff going, who rocks the house? The bakery rocks the house. Oh, and boy. I stood up, ripped up the application and walked out. <laughs> yes. They're like, yes, shifts really do start this way at the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> yeah, that's enough for me to go. And that's how they end. Yeah. So good. Um, awesome. Well, those were two great uh, first server submitted stories from the new crop of uh, fans. We love you. Thank you. Uh, just drop them in our DM uh, on Instagram until we need maybe an email. But right now, 
We're handling it. And super excited to hear all of them. Super excited to hear all of it. It's, you you know, people have been like, oh, you guys are PTSD inducing. Well, guess what? You're upsetting us also. So it just, <laughs> it's great. It's going to be great. Um, We're working through it together, guys. Yes. And on top of that, all of our voices are busted. Oh, yeah. Oh, I went to three baseball games and then hosted a show and got no, no sleep. No sleep. Karaoke. Yeah, I sang Two times this week, screamed at a baseball game. Um, oh, you went to a baseball game? Yeah, I go to baseball games. Oh, fun. Girlfriend. Yeah, you were camping. We wanted you to come. I was in the woods. Back I was up woods. the mountains in the sea. I've had such a fun five days. I have two kinker shows. shows sores. Say that again. Start again. I've had such a fun five days. I now have two kinker sores to wow. prove it. <laughs> it, it, what, it. Because it's like the alcohol and fat. I think it's my like, pH like, is off, girl. Got it. No, that happens. <laughs> Gross. Well, I have one uh, really fun, exciting piece of news that we shared in our group chat. Um, we may have missed it because what is today? Today's like the 18th, right? Shit. There was in San Francisco a rat bar pop up yeah. where for $50, you could get one cocktail and then go into a bar, restaurant, and just pet. Wild rats yeah. everywhere. Not even, but a lot of them are like rescue rats. It's from like a specific foundation, like that rescues rodent, a rodent rescue foundation, <laughs> if you will. And you can go and hang out with like tamer rats, hairless big tame rats, and just uh, have a cocktail, hang out with a rat. And it sold out. The event sold out in forty five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> when I found Isn't that, that just out, a reptile convention. I mean, that might be next. I'm sure that's that exists. Next. Like, I guarantee a reptile convention. No, I know like, they exist. It's lizards like you... and loggers. You know, it's oh, a new yeah, good one. <laughs> but, but what but rats? But I mean, come oh, on, you know how chameleons much chameleons this... and chardonnays. <laughs> Both ch words. Yeah. I I uh, I don't know where this popped up and what community exactly this is. But I was like, my God, this sounds like something made. Tailor made just for us because we do love a, some rat chat. What dimension I are we know. living in? I don't know. That people are like, oh yeah, fit for fifty dollars. Yep. Oon drink. I mean, that's all. Oon drink. I would, I'd pay it. And then a lot of rat petting. And then once you were released from the restaurant with the rats everywhere, I'm like, also, what's the situation? Did they build just like? Do they make like little ramps just up to tables so like rats could freely, you know, just be like, hello, pop in and, you know, maybe garnish your drink with a little yeah, cherry. Do you, get the, you must get the drink after you pet the I rats, I think you right? get like as one, like a prize. as a submission, you get like one drink while you're down there and then you only have a certain amount of time you can be down there and then you can like go upstairs to the regular bar and like defunk or just be like, or talk about your rat experience. I don't know. All I know is people live in, t in tents all over Los Angeles because there's a housing crisis, but we've got people in San Francisco who will pay 50 bucks for one drink and a pet a rat. So yeah, it was a bunch well, of this tech is a place called the San Francisco dungeon. Um, they kind of thrive on the underbelly of, what San Francisco is. So they're constantly doing different pop-ups to kind of push the envelope. So and what, you know, so that's what the rap bar. All right. And it is kind of like a haunted house theme or something in there too. Yeah, they do all, yeah, they do. Hi, it's not things. October. Thank you. It's a uniquely thrilling <laughs> attraction that will whisk you back into the Barbary Coast's most perilous past. So you're basically talking about when the city was like, you know, 
nothing but like a gold mining like pit stop port town with like mud streets and there were rats everywhere. The good old days when everyone could have as many rats as they wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, no thanks. Anyways, I just thought that was an enjoyable. Oh my God, it was the best. When I saw that shit and I texted it to you guys, I was like, this is the best day ever. <laughs> Okay, so, I, I mean, we were ragging on someone paying $50 to have a cocktail and pet a rat, which I think is a great segue in today's topic of being a server and um, dealing with money, learning how money works. <laughs> boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I will say, I don't know how, how you all feel about money. It's a complicated topic, you know? I feel like clearly we live in America. Like the American dream is to, you know, be a rich capitalist, whatever. And there is something about the first time you walk away from a shift in a restaurant with that stack of cash and you're like, I'm doing something right. Oh, cause like to me, that's how it's always portrayed. Like in cartoons and movies. Like I, I, when I think of money, I think of Scrooge McDuck, like diving into his pool filled with gold coins rolling around on a bed that has dollar bills all over it. And you're like, hell yeah. I made all this money. As a young server, first getting into the business too, especially if you've only had jobs where you like maybe were a barista or worked in retail, that first serving job that you get and you have that first. And for me, like it was like the first night I made like over $100 was like, I think balloons dropped from the ceiling. You know, I was 19 years old. Like it was a huge deal for me then. And then that bar kind of just keeps getting raised over and over again. And you're like, now I had this mug. Now I had that mug. And when you're young, oh no, a lot of that just gets like spent immediately, like less responsibility, less things to pay for. Burning a hole in your pocket. Oh, dude. I mean, yeah, I feel like because for me, it, definitely everything was uh, a minimum wage job prior to waiting tables. So I literally worked at a record store for five twenty five an hour. I have also never worked so hard in my life. Uh, the, the shit they made me do at Tower Records, like it was so much manual labor, organizing, dusting. Also, we had a porn section. We were one of those Tower Records where they would have like the little saloon gate that was like 18 and above if you want to see some dongs and dinglies. Ooh, um, I'd be getting tingles just right? thinking about it, bro. Uh, my manager, who hated me, by the way, would always assign me, he would roll out a giant cart of gay porn and for to mark and label and because everything was out in the open you can't actually visibly be able to see anything offensive so he would give me a roll of black dot stickers and i'd have to spend the whole day covering anything offensive sticker and dongs sticker and dongs and these are vhs cassette tapes so it's like so many sides you know like with just dongs everywhere dongs on faces you know it's like and I'd be like, fuck you, Jason, not cool. But he'd be like, whatever, it's the, it's the job, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, and so I would just be stuck labeling porn <laughs> all afternoon. Hey, but, on the bright side, you got to you got to learn probably a lot more about yeah, dicks. Yeah, about human anatomy. I didn't learn anything. There's I big dicks, scared. small dicks, I know. thin dicks, fat dicks. <laughs> yeah, she was, she was trying, if you see a dong, cover it up. No. That's where I'm at. I was like, oh no. Like she makes all her suitors wear black dots on their dicks all the time. Don't I, do it, Brooke. 
No, dude. But it's like you're sitting here. I was like 19. I was still a virgin. And then you're like over in a corridor. Just like, I was like, I've never seen anything like this. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Very Terrifying. Scared. Very scared. But, um, you know, and not in a homophobic way. I was just like, this is all so violent. <laughs> Everything. It's just, a lot. Porn's, porn's a lot. Porn's gross. Uh, you know, I like erotica. But anyways, I'm off track here. I'm off track. I like Bronte. <laughs> So sorry, that was a roundabout, very long roundabout way to just say, you know, it's like at the, you get your paycheck and it was under 200 bucks for two weeks of work. And you're sitting here, my expenses weren't crazy in college, but my rent was about $300. And that leaves you with barely anything for food. And I was almost putting in 40 hour weeks and going to college. And you're like, how do I make under $500 a month? That's nuts to me. So the first time I walked out with a stack of bills, I was like, oh, my, I was drunk with power and they were all ones and they were it was like d- dirty filthy rich but also because the bills are actually filthy and gross and had like coney sauce stains on them and cocaine perhaps and cocaine but um so I feel like there is such like a psychology behind physically seeing and touching cash versus getting that measly paycheck yeah absolutely I I love walking with a big stack of cash and like I was always the kind of person because I would go drink after my shift when I was very young but I had I was only allowed to spend half of my stack. <laughs> See there we go. That is oh, some wow, yeah. great budgeting and money tips. Only spend half the stack. Which was a ridiculous thing. Like I shouldn't I should have saved more. But again, when you're young and you're serving, it's a different game, I think. You're barely scraping by all the time and it's something that you're you're just used to doing, correct? Absolutely. And I mean, the fun thing was is it's like I was making more money being a waitress prior to my awful small paycheck, which I would actually budget out of that small amount. And then here I am making twice the amount suddenly, but I still turned it all into fun money and was poor. I was constantly poor because I was rich, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because I was like, I can spend. I'm like everyone else now. Do you remember I used to do that bit about being drunk rich? About how Ooh. when I got drunk, I got rich. And oh, I yeah. buy everybody's drinks and spend all my money at the bar and then wake up and be like, what happened? Like credit card <laughs> being up? like, credit you 500 spent, plays. Yeah, 500 the- plays of... Shitty music on the jukebox, yeah. I think you're, I think you're, you bought 500 plays of music. No, I'm just saying that's that part of the bet was like I wasted all my money on drinks and like shitty jukebox and bad food. So that's the thing is like you're walking around with like maybe one or two bills, you know, just you're like, I got like 200 on me right now. And it's like, dude, it's nighttime. You ain't going to a bank. If there's anything more fun than having money, it's spending money. Uh, uh, Yeah, of course. Of course. And right, when you've like been unable to have like treats and, and, and do, you know, things that your friends who are rich are able to do, you suddenly, when you're cash rich, you know, I feel like that can be a really slippery slope because the truth is you probably don't have savings whatsoever. Everything is like, I'm ha- like, you're literally doing like YOLO every day with that. I'm fun. I'm 40. I just said YOLO. But where you're like, hey, listen, I've got it now while it's good. Like, let's go. You know, let's go spend this shit how it likes to be spent. And I think, too, when you make less money and you're in this industry, I feel like there is such a generosity that we all have. Like, we, we're we all kind of poor, 
but we all throw down at each other's restaurants or bars and we're yeah. all just basically like Give, we're paying all, each other. Exactly. I've said that for a long time. We've all, we're all just giving each other back like the same hundred dollars over and over and yeah. over again. It's like a snake eating its tail, you know? Yeah. And but the fucking funnest snake eating its tail. Because I feel like, too, you know, there's this thing where, like, maybe in the real world you're not a high roller, but if you walk into a bar where the staff knows you and you're treated like, you know, royalty, there is – it gives you, like, this sense of, like, value and I belong somewhere and I can be a high roller in this one situation, you know? Yeah, totally. Hence, hence me being always broke at one point losing my bank account entirely because I overdrafted it so well, many times. And even – and yeah, I I, asked, I I did that too. But I also lived in a cash world where I just had cash on me all the time. Like I feel like the good first portion of me being in like my early 20s and waiting tables, I never paid any for anything with a debit card. It was just like cash all the time. Go. Here you go. And carrying stacks of it on me, you know. And that's a whole another thing. Dude, it's like, Andrea, I remember like when I would come over to her place when you were right on like Lincoln Boulevard, or mm-hmm. is that the like I'd come over and she had like this flimsy back screen door that was like a tiny latch because you were broken into. Oh yeah, you got robbed. But I would come over and she'd have just like I don't know fifteen hundred dollars in. Cash laying around on your coffee table, like no, I don't remember having like fifteen hundred dollars cash laying around my was, coffee table. I counted it because I was like, "What in the fuck?" It was like seven hundred bucks just out. Yeah, that would. Yeah, and then you got robbed because they're like, well, no, there's take a mark. Any, nobody took that money though. Like when I got robbed, no, no money was taken because they didn't. I had made a deposit, I think, but they I, came for I, the I was porn classic DVDs. also for when I. <laughs> When I worked in Chicago at IU, which is a beautiful day spa, because if you don't all know, I'm also an esthetician and a skin witch. And um, so we would get little envelopes, little like tiny manila envelopes yes. with tips in them. Mm-hmm. And they would, and I would just, ha- and they would wrap them because you get them the next day and they'd wrap them in like a stack with a rubber band. And then I would like toss those like into my underwear drawer and that would be like fun money or whatever. But Brian would always complain because they would be like everywhere. Oh, I'd have like different stashes, like a fucking squirrel saving for winter. I love like around that. The house. How fun. And so he'd always be like, here's another envelope with $20 I just found. And I'd be like, oh, great. Look, look at the next 20 bucks. And he'd just shake his head at me. Like, I mean, when we were cleaning out our apartment to like move to LA, we I, I must have found like, not and not all of them had money in them. The majority didn't, but there was like, I found at least 50 envelopes just like hanging out <laughs> around the place. Yeah. Dude, cash, I know. And cash is like so crazy that way too. Cause you're like, when it's gone, it's gone. There's like no insurance on it. There's no bank protecting you. Not that banks, you know, are, are reputable institutions. What do you mean? Banks have, Wells Fargo has my back. <laughs> <laughs> the banks are always looking out for us, guys. Big banking, always looking out for us. But I mean, I when I didn't have a bank account, you know, because I fucked myself out of one, Washington Mutual was like, you may not have a bank account, young lady. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll just go to the the check cash in place. And then I also kept like uh, money in a shoebox under my bed. Yeah. And then I was like, I should probably try and fix this because the check cash in place takes 15% of your check. One of my first big purchases and like being able to save for and get from waiting tables was buying myself a couch, which was okay, like that's big. And it was yeah. like a it was like a seven hundred dollar couch, and I was t- like twenty five years old when I got it, and it was a huge deal. 
because I saved my money and then I walked in and I, I'm pretty sure I just, I had to pay with a card, but I paid for the first half with cash and then like the other half was a card, but God, it felt so fucking good. I felt so accomplished and I was like, I worked so hard for this money. It was during the summertime, so I was flush with cash because it was patio season. So there's just, it's just little things like that where you get these first pings of accomplishment. Like, and I think that when you're a server, the gratitude, the gratitude because of gratuity and like the honor of walking with everything you've earned at the end of the night is pretty fulfilling, correct? It feels, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it feels great. And, and I like, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying me personally, um, not realistic human. It's taken well into my thirties to, you know, finally get smart about money because I think too, like, you start to get into the psychology if you're like, oh, I have no savings, like I'm making a lot of money, but I still have nothing to show for it because I'm not taking this cash seriously because it's literally walking around with me. And when I see something, I pull out my wad of cash and I buy it because right. I'm an idiot. And I, I, I think I went through some of the poorest times being a waitress before I figured out how to try and, well, you know what, a large part of that was when I was working at a more legitimate restaurant that actually gave you paychecks two times, um, you know, a month, and you actually had to report your tips and whatever, and so that helped me um, visualize more of a budget. Were your tips sense. on your paycheck? Uh, uh, credit card tips were on paychecks, and we got to take home uh, cash, obviously, at the end of the night. But That's yeah. a nice way to break it up. It I think is. it's really hard if no matter what – you're doing work-wise, if you're getting paid in cash, there's a huge difference between that and a paycheck because mm -hmm. there's no tracking. Right. If you get a paycheck and you deposit in your bank account, you have an exact number in your head. You know that's what's in there. Well, I remember the first time I was ever like, wait, what do you mean you're going to put my credit card chips in my paycheck? This <laughs> oh, fucking yeah. bullshit. Like I got upset about it. Um, but then you do see the benefits of it. You are paying your taxes more accordingly. You are doing things safer because that's a whole other oh, fucking bag is like claiming tips and how much should you claim and what should you do? Because I mean, cash is untraceable. You can't really, well, you know. Course. And I mean, that's the name of the game. Like with the, in, like with the restaurants you're working at, if a place is like, we're cash only, like I'm telling you, they're cooking the books. It's just people are looking at them probably with a, a more you know, um, suspicious eye. It used to be very much the norm. New York is like cash only everywhere. Uh, and, and you were like, okay, so this can't really be traced, which I think it can breed this whole sort of nefarious attitude toward cash when you want to start to like do it by the books and do the right thing. I realized I was like really like developmentally behind the curve when it came to money. And I was very, very scared of money and doing money, quote unquote, like the right way. And I mean, I went for years without paying my taxes. And so, I mean, I was living in this hellscape of, I truly don't think you should say that. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I, but I did them. Oh yeah. Okay. No, no, no. I mean, okay. Like, so I was young and didn't, I was so scared because I thought like, oh man, I'm so poor. I didn't do like three years of, of claiming my taxes when I went to H&R Block, you know, just filled with shame. Like I, I thought the lady was like going to arrest me, report me to the government immediately. She's like, oh, no, no, like you have up to three years to file back taxes on certain things or whatever. And she's like, you're getting back like $3,000. And I started crying, but because 
I was just so shameful and felt dumb and out of control with money that I would get overwhelmed and hide from it. Like, hence leaving my money in a shoebox under my bed. It's like, I think you're just young and scared. Young and scared, the Brooke Van Poplin story. It's so true. And I was divorced. I, but to every yin, there is a yang, right? Mm-hmm. So there are the nights where you don't walk with shit. That's tough. And that's scary because it's always a crapshoot because you never know what you're going to make. You never know how your section's going to do. You never know if you're going to be first cut. You never know if you're going to close. You know, these are all things that factor into that stack of cash that may potentially be great or measly. Measly, measly, right. Peanuts. Um, Here's a fun thing to maybe consider. Jocelyn, aside from right now, what's the poorest you've ever been? Good question, Brooke. <laughs> is, there, is there a time? Um, is this the worst ten, it's ever been? Ten years ago, when I was leaving, I, I came to L.A. for a vacation that I couldn't afford, and I rented a car that I could, I put it all in credit cards, and I had the most lovely time in L.A. It was springtime. New York was miserable. And I remember just saying, I don't, I don't, I haven't worked my way to L.A. yet. I'll, I can only move when I get a job. And then a month later, I got a job and they gave me $1,000 to help cover my moving expenses to L.A., which at the time for me was basically a million dollars. <laughs> that was the poorest. I My rent was $650 in a one bedroom of a four bedroom apartment in Brooklyn. I didn't have the money for rent. I sublet my place to a girl and that's how I got the rent covered is her actually moving in and me moving out. It was the only way I, I had no money. I was babysitting. I, I, I had sworn off restaurant jobs forever and this is the beginning of 2009. I got fired from my last serving job in 2008 in September. They told me I wasn't the right fit. I'll never forget it. <laughs> Restaurant's been closed. Um, it's going to be on your tombstone. Not the right fit, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it was the first and only time I've been fired from something. And it really, I was like, never again. So I had this little dirt bike. You remember? Like a, <laughs> like a, like a little boy's bike. Not like a, a motorbike, but like a, like a BMX little trick bike. And I would drive it around to all these places to babysit in Brooklyn. So I was barely, I was juggling between like four or five different families and I barely had enough money. Again, I didn't have enough money for rent when I got that job. That was probably the poorest. And I just had loads of debt from three years of living in New York and putting everything on a credit card. Absolutely. Yeah. Meanwhile, before I left for New York, I was making a ton of money. I'd saved up at least, I think it was 10 or 12 grand when I moved to New York, which I immediately spent. Oh, well, it goes. It goes, it goes so fast. So fast. My rent was $1,300 in my first place in New York. Yeah, that's... And, and that's that was 2006. T- I was wow. going to say, yeah, that's 13 years ago. And that was when I was paying... When I first moved there and was paying $900 to live in the common space, I was just like, yowzers, this is a lot of money. And guess what? It only got worse. Yeah, but nobody told me about Brooklyn. So, like, I no. didn't ever explore Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. I was only looking at Manhattan like a total dumbass. I know, but now it's kind of the opposite, which is a whole other thing. But um, I – well, this is when I was your neighbor. I mean, you and I definitely mm-hmm. were the most poor at the same time together. Both oh, yeah. kind of in and out of restaurant jobs, getting fired – Trying to get our comedy careers off the ground. That like, was the time we had, we found the heroin mom. Yep. And we only found this, we'll tell that story another time, but 
we had been in Manhattan. We went to go see our friend Reggie Watts perform <sighs> when he used to work at this place called The Box. What a nightmare I don't know factory. If it's still around, but we took a cab back because it was five in the morning or something. Yeah. And we ran out of money, so the cab could only take us so far. <laughs> but it was freezing out. It was it was cold. There was ice all over the ground. It was snowing. So we had we had to like get out of the cab and walk the rest of the way we home. Like, Can I mean, you that, stop here, sir. Like yep. we at least got over the bridge, which is like the yeah, biggest that was hurdle. a huge hurdle. But like <laughs> then we're like scraping together our ones. And trying to make sure, see how long we could go. Well, it because was, I I didn't have credit cards. I mean, I yeah. wasn't allowed to. But it was you also know. before, like, digital, except, you know, money mm-hmm. all everywhere. Oh, yeah, you like, could only do cash yeah. at this point, too, in, in cabs. But, and, right, and so, like, yeah, it doesn't even, doesn't even matter that I wasn't able to have a credit card. It wasn't going to take it anyways. But, yeah, and then I went back to my place that was 600 bucks. I was living, like, such a hobo. And uh, I literally, this is, it's kind of a bad joke, but I was like, I was literally dirt poor. I had one sad little plant that I was like, you're my only friend, like a tree grows in Brooklyn, you know? And you carried it around with you and tried to pay with it everywhere you went. (laughs) But I was just so proud that I was keeping this like one little plant alive and I had knocked it over. So lost all the soil, you know, something dumb had happened and I didn't have money to go to like a little neighborhood hardware store to literally buy like a $5 bag of uh, soil. So I snuck across the hallway to my landlord's apartment where she had plants outdoors because there was a skylight in the hallway. And I took like two Dixie cups and I stole dirt from her plants to repot my plant. And I was like, I think that's the definition of dirt poor. I was dirt poor. Wow. That's that was a moment. That was a moment. Or when I decided to not go home for Christmas so I could make $200 pet sitting a chihuahua in Queens cuz I was like big money, big big money worth not having any happiness for 7 days. Woof. I definitely like uh remember really not having a job as when I was living in Chicago in Lincoln Square and like couldn't afford could could afford my rent. Couldn't afford to do to go bowling, which we would always do every Thursday. It was this big ritual. Um, you broke, we were there, and like friends of ours had. And it was the point where I was like, I knew they had, I knew they still had Totino's frozen pizzas for a dollar at the dollar store. So I'd eat those sometimes. Very like living super, super fr- like frivolously. Would be able to drink for free at Bad Dog Tavern. So that happened a lot. But I do remember not being able to afford to go bowling and like all my friends pulling together and be like, come on, we got you. Like we'll pay for your bowling. It's like not that big a deal. And I think when things picked up after that, I was always able to pay my rent, but just scraping by like definitely. Do you remember the part in your life where like quarters were of such high value? Cause yeah. that's how you did your laundry. Laundry or just girl, qu- they still are okay. Quarters, we don't yeah. all have washer yeah. dryers and no. Units. Sorry, I, I but apologize, also, but they're you're right. They're I I need them. I, but I them. I understand the value of but a quarter. You guys, four quarters equals a dollar, right? That's big money. I still think quarters are big money. Yeah, no, I agree. I I like a quarter and a change. If they're, if, if a change jar is full of quarters. What yeah, a what a happy cash change. in that whole day. So while <laughs> all of this was happening and we were almost broke, we all ha- we were all waiting tables, right? Like all of us were. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. the so- reason I went so crazy broke in New York in those last months is because I refused to work at a restaurant again. 
Yeah. If I had yeah. picked up restaurant shifts, I'd be making way more money. But at that point, I was performing and trying to perform as much as possible, so I didn't want to work nights. I definitely didn't want to work days. I didn't want to have to go into Manhattan to work and then come back because my dog Jones was home. So, like, the babysitting thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's I did it, too. I, I also I waited tables and did, like, the nanny circuit at the same time which is kind of an interesting combination because sometimes you're hungover when you see those kids in the morning. Hanging out with the I baby. guarantee you I was hungover most of the time, which is embarrassing, but also such a 20s, in your 20s oh, thing to do. Uh-huh. Are you kidding still, me? I still had a great time with those kids. Those kids had yeah, a great time. Yeah, it was still great. I napped when they napped. Oh, you know what? Actually, but that was the very poorest when I'm talking about the poorest I was is because I was trying to draw a line in the sand and be like, no more restaurants because I was making, well, I think on record, like, and it's, it is what it is, $17,000 is what I made that year by holding my ground and being like, I will make it on comedy money. I mean, it was like that level of like, oh my God, I'm so, so poor. Like this is, I think and then I had to go us, back to a restaurant and then yeah. that ended up being a great experience and that I got my James. life together. Yep. Also that restaurants was, will feed you for free most of the time. Never so forget. Oh, yeah. Okay, at least while you're struggling in the in the restaurant world is like, okay, I can commiserate with everyone else I'm working with. Some of them are kind of in the same boat. And at least we know with with around our circuit, we're going to get deeply discounted food or a free drink because like it's just part of the... I was, I feel like everybody that I ran with, we were all on the same page as like what level of like tip jobs we had for the Mm -hmm. most part. Like I, so the kids that worked at all the fine dining restaurants and shit, I kind of knew them, but I was like, you do what? And you do where? Like I kind of tried to get in and work at one of those. I never quite got there, but those fucking talk about being 25 and walking with something like $400 every night. That's. Insane. I I probably would have like found my way into some sort of hard drug habit just because of the money, you know. But oh, I have one crazy other memory in living in New York and being that poor. And so the weird thing about comedy and being a comedian sometimes is like lawyers will just suddenly be like, I'm a comedian now. And like they're lawyers by day. Like it's there's so many lawyers who became comedians. And then there was this one guy who was like a big finance bigwig who was also doing comedy. And we were going to go hang out uh, at this bar in the meatpacking district, which if you're poor, it's like, why are we going here? This is so expensive. All my money just to right, walk through this but, room. Right. He was like Mr. Bigwig, but I'm also like, well, thanks for like not wanting to pay for anything for me, but insisting, you know, we go here. So I was like, well, listen, I got to stop at an ATM. And I took out $20 and he started cackling at me. He's like, I've never seen anyone just take out $20. And I was like, there's nothing mm. else to take out. Like, this is it, you know? And he fucking laughed at me being poor. I was just like, whoa, dude. Like, yowzers, fucking dick. Oh, boy. Oh so, boy. anyways, but there's an upside to this. We're going to talk about how we all got better with money. Amazing. And how you can get better with money. We just wanted to chat about the bad side of not being able to deal <laughs> with your cash and your money skills when you're waiting tables, even though you're making that bank. But the good news is we are going to return with a part two to talk about a lot of awesome money management and money earning skills we have learned and that you can too. I think it's important to have real talk about money. It's a tough taboo topic, especially for women. 
Um, and we want to be your new Susie Ormans. Yeah. But I tell you what, I will say about being irresponsible with your money, maybe at one point, I had a great time spending this shit out of that cash. Are you kidding me? you kidding me? When you're poor, you're happy. I'm sorry. You're like, you're like whatever. I'm living for today, and I'm going to do what uh, gets me through today. There's no future. <laughs> <laughs> and then one day the shit hits the fan, and you're like, I better start saving something. I, I'll, feel, I'll feel good about also being responsible. And if I may quote Jocelyn Hughes, the, the world's on fire. The earth is burning. Uh, we might not be here in 10 years, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe it doesn't even matter that we're talking about being good with money. We want to talk, obviously, as you know, about serving jobs. Alan, when, yes. it, when did you get your start? Because I know you told me that you had this one job, but was it your only job uh, serving? No. No. Okay. Let's talk about it. Did you start waiting tables in New Jersey? I did at the Applebee's in New Jersey. Oh, you are our second Applebee's employee uh, to grace the podcast. Oh, we are the few, the proud. <laughs> <laughs> How long did you stay? I got... Applebee's when I was in my senior year of high school. I can't believe I, I've blocked most of that out. Um, not senior year of high school, just working at that Applebee's. Because uh, in every serving job that I've ever had, for the entirety that I had worked there, I was a second away from getting fired. Like, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I stayed in jobs Purely through charm and the skin of my teeth, uh, <laughs> uh, waiting tables specifically, and I yeah I worked at the Applebee's in my hometown, and I don't remember much except there was a girl that also worked there that we would flirt a lot and we went to high school together, but nothing ever happened. Were you a were you a server? Were you a buster? Were you a host? I was a server, baby. Wow. All right. Here's my question. How old were you? were 16, 17? 18. No, 18. 18. Yeah. How old do you have to be to serve alcohol in New Jersey? Um, that would be 18. Okay. Great. Okay, I was going to so say that eight was a years old. Uh, I wasn't sure if it was a thing where like you got hired and then like you had to be 19 because in Nebraska it's 19, but you would get hired but someone else had to like drop your drinks for you. That really? Was a, there was a situ- I'm sure there was a, there's situations like that because some places yeah, it's, it's called 21. don't hire people that are 19. Uh, maybe, maybe you're right. like a couple months out, but they that really like you, you know. I've never gotten a job on someone being like, oh man, you're going to be great once you're 19. <laughs> uh, I, I have. No. <laughs> uh, once you're, oh, uh, baby, yeah, once, once you're, you're legal, 19, once you're legal, that reminds me of when I was, uh, I think it was like 14, everybody, it was like when the, when the Olsen twins became 18, oh, gross. people, in, yeah. uh, like we were all like, yeah, oh, dude, the Olsen twins are 18 now. I'm like, <laughs> we're 15 years old. <laughs> Why are we so excited about that? Like so I'm th- <laughs> I think here was the logic. Here was the logic. Like oh, the Olsen twins are 18. They could they could do Playboy now. Like that's what we were excited about. Even though none of us could get like could get a play well the first Playboy I ever saw was had a uh, China the wrestler oh, China. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. She's cool. She's dead. She's dead. Oh, that's very sad. She's dead. And the guy Whose house that we went item. to uh, to look at the China Playboy? He's also dead. No. <laughs> oh no! Wait. Yeah, it was a cursed man. Did you touch it? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I did touch the magazine. It's not. I'm still alive. Uh, only dead inside. All right. Well, only dead inside. Your pal. Clearly, you're a little bit of a spunky troublemaker. Um, a little stinker. You you're a little say. stinker. Absolutely. And so I, I feel like you took that uh, talent. I'm using air quotes <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> Somehow coerced your way into a job waiting in Times Square at? Mm -hmm. At first. Ooh, okay. Applebee's. So you took that experience from New Jersey and you did a transfer. Yeah. Oh, you transferred from one Applebee's to another Applebee's? Did did not transfer. Had to apply for the job. And I was a food runner for several months until I became a server. Hey, okay. And which which Applebee's? Also in... The 50th Street one, which was, I mean, it's technically Times Square, but it's the largest Applebee's in the world. Wow. Impressed. Wait, and was it Nick Turner worked at the TGI Fridays in Times Square? Really? So you guys were like serving buddies, just trotting up and down. Main drag of Times Square. Okay, so Applebee's, you know, we we were talking like especially in Times Square, uh, so much tourism turnover, people who don't know how to eat, the be in public. Worst human beings. They are the they're the filth of that every country has to offer <laughs> that come to these places. <laughs> they truly are. Ugh, they are monsters. And what I mean, because you have to expect <clears throat> Okay, tourist destination and people coming from other countries. How often were they like forgetting to tip you? Oh, you mean constantly? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it it was bad. There, um, and also all of the oh man, all of the drama from that Applebee's. I got fired from that Apple Applebee's because I had to go home for a doctor's appointment. Okay. And I had somebody to cover my shift, and then they didn't put it in the book. Oh, sure. All and then they had a no shit. call, no show. And my manager, I showed up. I showed up for work, and then, uh, you know, did the what's the thing that you do before you go? A pre shift meeting. There we go. There That's we go. the word. Mm-hmm. Um, shift shift meeting. And he was like, "Hey, Alan, I wanted to. Why don't you come here? I want to talk to you." I go. You go, you had a no call, no show. I go, no, I didn't. This person was covering for me and she didn't show up. And she called you guys and told you. And he goes, well, why don't you follow me? And goes over to the book (laughs) and goes, well, it doesn't seem to be here. Because he just didn't like me. But he got fired a couple years after that. And I, the small amount of power that man had. He was like, why don't you go home and then call me? And I was like, Oh, that's nah. not going to be good. I did. Then he said that we're going to let you go, and I just screamed "fuck you" in the phone to him. <laughs> I I called him a. I think I called him a piece of shit too. Uh, but that was a rough time for me. Uh, yeah. How long did you last? Were you at that job? I was there about a year. But I'm sure once you were released. You were just like, this is the happiest day of my life. Like, I mean, I, I know you're trying to make money and I know New York's hard, but like being like going, like being free of a situation like that. I got fired. And then also my roommates had asked me to move out because wow. one of them lied. And my other, the my other former roommate years later was like, I'm so sorry that 
I we put you through that. It was just, or I put you through that. She, Allison was a liar. She was filthy. Like this woman, <laughs> I've never thrown up from being so grossed out by of something before. She left for the weekend, but was in a rush, and she had clogged the toilet. Oh, come on. With the uh. biggest shit, and the it smelled so bad. It smelled like something legitimately died, and so I had to unclog the toilet. And somehow there was some shit in the sink, like a speck of it. What? And then they asked you to leave. Yeah, and then I was the one that was like, "Can you ask?" And so my my friend Courtney. They shared a room, and then when Allison was asked to move out later on, she goes, yeah, there was just a line of, like, brown and dirt surrounding her bed from when she left because they, like, shared a room. Uh, uh, yeah, it was people awful. People go pretty feral um, at that age. And at that time, you know, in New York, you, there's a lot of, like, you, you kind of run home to hit the hay, and then you're out the door again. I mean, that's how I lived my life. But I'm also, like, a frantic cleaner. So I, I just, I was like, listen, messy is one thing. Dirty, not okay. Oh, yeah. Dirty is, like, come on. And you're, you're like, I feel like these people were never made to do chores or just something. There's, like, a real psychological something going on there. And I bet none of them probably, like, waited tables or knew how to serve other people because you learn to, like, really prioritize cleanliness when you work at a restaurant. You're sure. No. <laughs> <laughs> Your face is so lost in I don't know. I, I know right people now. who worked in the service industry that I knew, especially when I was in my early 20s, and they were some of the dirtiest motherfuckers I've ever met. Yeah. Oh, man. You know what I will say? Especially no dirty, gross boys. No, no restaurant that I've ever worked at have people who are pretty respectful of other people's food. Even if somebody was really shitty, I've never known a person to like, hock into somebody's shit. No, I, we, we've talked about that ad nauseum too. And it really, it's personal. It's never going to be just like a, a random hit. Yeah. You were like, ha, ha, you every were like fifth me. one. Yeah. You know, I put my finger on my butt and then put it in the, <laughs> and put it in their soup. That's, that's, that's what you do to somebody you like. Soup. Exactly. You, you know? want to get, you want them to have a taste down. of you. I put my finger on my butt and someone's soup, but it's burned. But, the first day that I God worked, damn. the first day that I worked at the Applebee's in Times Square, I was running food and French onion soup Ooh. fell on onto my hand, oh. like right there, and I had to go to the doctor because it just the burn was so bad it like bubbled up because that shit comes oh. like right out of the salamander, like, and you have to take it out. Oh correct? yeah. Why do people eat that? It's like a soup that gets delivered, yeah. and you have to wait thirty minutes for it to be safe. I love a good French onion. Yeah, soup. you're wrong. You're wrong on this. It's delightful. Uh, yeah. Have you ever had the French onion soup at the Dresden? Mm-mm. Maybe great. I will. Is Monday it? night. Got to show yeah. there Monday night. Come, come through. I do like it. Plus, it's just like it's got it's got crouton in it, and then cheese. If it's, it's done cheese. well with Gruyere, I'm like just it's saying it, to be done. it is a it is a nightmare thing to deliver as a server. Sure, you know. Oh yeah, it's te- that and fucking fajitas. <laughs> oh god, eat your own shit, 
restaurants have have those skillet trays. <laughs> Ugh. And you always have to be like, this is hot. And it's like on fire with like oil spitting off of it. Yeah. And you'd be like, don't touch it. You mm-hmm. know, and then I'm always like, I'm touching it's it. It's like Please we have to have it. we have to have two plates because wood has to go underneath this too. <laughs> So you like that was Applebee's did that shit all the time. They would have like a sizzling uh, f- apple fritter or something like that, and then it would just be <laughs> literally the fires of fucking Mordor are in your hand. Did you ever see like a other than the your hospital burn? Did you ever see a really bad burn from like a fellow server? Anything that happened? Um, yeah, this one time, uh, this guy said. Uh, one of the other servers said to me, hey, why does your breath smell like dick? And I go, because I was sucking some dick earlier. What do you want from me? Uh, <laughs> that was my burn on him. Oh, uh, I see. I, see. He ca- that, I learned that at that job of, is if you just take an insult that somebody throws at you and go, yeah, it's true. What are you, you going to do about it? What are you going to do? I was sucking a dick. You got you have more of a problem. And he was just like, whatever, dude. And then walked away. He was so mad. He was so mad. That actually happened at Dave and Buster's, not at Applebee's. Wait, I'm you sorry. worked at Dave and Buster's too? So this is I'm like oh. sitting here oh patiently waiting. I'm sorry. We buried the lead. Buried the lead. I'm chomping at the bit. You gotta talk, Dave and Buster. We yeah, gotta get talk. in there. My I'm- Vietnam. Oh, your shit. Truly. Wow. It was, uh, there were good times, there were bad times. I got that job because of a sir, because of a bartender that I knew at Applebee's. Her boyfriend was a manager at the Dave and Buster's. Also in Times Square. Also in Times Square. Oh. In Times Square, like legit Times Square. Uh, I almost got fired my first day of training. Because I told one of the other, the, one of the guys, uh, I like looked at him dead serious. It was for like, he was like, oh, excuse me. I go, watch it, man, or I'll fucking kill you. And I was like, I like looked at him dead serious. And he, later on, he was like, dude, I'm, I'm like from the hood. When that, when you said that to me, I almost... I wanted to drop you. And oh. I was like, okay, I'm sorry. But the manager called in. Luckily, this guy, Chris. Like, I'm just a goofy improv guy. Trying yeah. out a character. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, the the manager, who be- then became like general manager and I think even regional manager. Like he's he was everybody's favorite manager. He was the best. He kind of looked like Sam the Eagle from – from the Muppets, like real thick eyebrows, uh, gray with like black eyebrows. I love it. And he was like a funny guy, a goofball, and I believe mo- all of our all of our managers real had really had drug problems. Um, yeah. Oh, what's par his, for the course? A par for the course. There was one guy I can't remember his name, but he had the biggest Coke problem and he was the worst guy in the world. He was just dumb. He was like really dumb and bad at his job. Uh, but- so like for me too, just cause I need a refresher. I haven't been to one in a while. Can you paint a do- picture, paint a picture of like a typical, like Dave and, and Buster's. Yeah. Chuck E. Cheese with alcohol. That is <laughs> Dave and Buster's in a nutshell. 
Uh, and cavernous, right? A big place. Huge, yes. Very big. Um, I once knew the history of it because you had to learn it when you were training. And I forgot all that shit because it's uh, unimportant. Mm. I think well, that can they... can look it up if you need me to, but go on. <laughs> how many tables, like how many sections were there at this place? Jesus Christ. Well, there were three areas. There was the game room, which was a fucking nightmare if you ever had to work in it because it was the furthest away from the kitchen. It had its own bar <laughs> and you just like got the worst clientele in the fucking world there. Plus someone's like sitting at their table cuz they're like up and oh, over yeah. the ground, it, right? They were they would lock those tables down for hours. There was no like moving <laughs> in and out. They're like this is where we're going to keep our shit where our while our little rodent children run off and and play skee-ball shooting hoops shooting hoops hoops or all these other games that are like casino gambling light type things uh god and then there was the bar area like the sports bar where, where there were high tops and i the cocktail area i exclusively did cocktail i never worked in the like the dining area and i say dining because it's not really dining (laughs) is it no uh so that's where those were the three kind of sections that things were broken off into i worked exclusively pretty much in the cocktail lounge or in the fucking game room which was a nightmare (laughs) the only i think the only reason that I never got fired from that job. I, I, I got to quit triumphantly and boy, was it fucking beautiful. Uh, I didn't like do something, but it was just like felt so good that I'm like, I get to be done with this. I'm out of here. You don't, you don't tell me that I leave. I tell you, I leave. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Did you fold up your uh, apron and throw it on the ground? Did you slam dunk it on one of the, I gave him like two weeks. Oh, and you were pro about it. I was a pro about it because I was like, if I ever fucking need to come back here. But I honestly <laughs> think that they would have they would have never hired me back. The only reason I did not get fired is because I worked all of the shitty shifts. I worked the day shifts because I was doing comedy at night. Yep. And nobody wanted them. I worked one night and that was Sunday nights. I love that you were the day guy. Mm-hmm. Did you make good money? No. No, I'm also thinking too just the sound of – Video games and like like score and bloop 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 and then like probably loud music techno. on top of it. I'm sure it was fine. The game room was fine because you could just drown that shit out. What you could not drown out was the mix. Was the mix <sighs> that never changed oh. day in and fucking day out that <laughs> it made you want to. Eat gasoline. <laughs> it made you want to just eat gasoline because it was so horrible. It was the same like twenty five songs. Oh, that's I hate rough. It made me hate Layla by Eric Clapton. You got me on your knee. Was Layla. it the unplugged version? Yes. Okay. Um. Oh, I forgot that I would do this. So this is one of this is one of my favorite things that I ever that I would just do at work. Sometimes I'd be so fucking tired. 
the next uh, from <laughs> the past night is that they would have two people working in the game area during the day, which sometimes, uh, which was unnecessary. <laughs> even if the, even one person was kind of unnecessary because the bartender mm-hmm. could handle it all. So what I would do would say, "Hey, do you want to do you want to take all my tables, and then I'm going to go sleep in the bathroom because they had the big employee <laughs> bathrooms, and I would put a chair in there, lean up against the door." And turn the light off because they were individual ones, and I would just sleep for a couple hours. Like fucking out, like dead sleep, out. <laughs> like sleep in there. <laughs> and those bathrooms are big. One dude got fired because he fucked a customer in them. Oh, whoopsies! Yeah, that's a real Dave and Buster's like thing. I would think you want um, like the full experience, Dave and Buster's. A guy. This was one of this was during one of our pre-shifts. This is during one one of the pre-shifts. One of the food one of the food runners slash bussers called one of the waitresses, uh servers, I'm sorry, uh a bitch. So she maced him. <laughs> like during pre-shift? <laughs> she maced him. Um and then he started dating this other uh, server. Wait, so nobody was fired? Because no, of this? that that woman got who maced him got fired. Of course, <laughs> of course she got fired. But <laughs> she maced him. Uh, one of the other one of the other servers started dating the guy who got maced. I go, I go, oh, you're dating somebody here. She goes, oh yeah, this person. I go, oh, mace face. <laughs> She goes, that's not funny. I go, yeah, it is. <laughs> what were my other em- employees like? Yeah, like what were your coworkers like? I'm just trying to imagine clientele and then also the kind of people who. I imagine like Times Square, you get like all walks of life. Of people. Oh, for oh, sure. Better. Yeah, all walks of life. Um, you know, I had an entire Puerto Rican family try to fight Snooky from the Jersey Shore one time while we were there. Because, <laughs> and I say that because it was after the Puerto Rican Day Parade, right? Uh, right, right. And Snooky had it coming. Yeah, and Snooky had it. <laughs> what was Snooky doing there? That was just like a fun. I, I just mean, like, <laughs> dude, what do you mean? What was Snooky doing there? Of course, fucking Snooky's hanging out at the Dave and Buster's yeah. in Times Square. That's <laughs> like super Snooky. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's so snooky. Also, one time, uh, Anne Hathaway got <laughs> like tried yelled at management because their her brother was making out with her boyfriend with his boyfriend, and they're like, "Hey, can you guys not do that?" She's like, "Why? Because they're gay and but <laughs> like, no, just just don't. They're stop making out in a restaurant. That's all. Right, um, right. But it might have been." Well, they had Sean. Winnie! I'm sorry. Hold on. Honey, come here. Well, I think also they had Sean, our gay manager, go and talk and be the one to tell them to not yeah. do it. Uh, so, but also it probably was homophobic based. Uh, but also, why are you making out in a, in a, a restaurant? And a Dave Buster's. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I get it. That shit, I get it. It's like Chuck E. Cheese plus liquor. It makes me wet and hot and horny and want to fuck. But yum, yum, yum. I contain myself until I get home, you know? Yeah. 
Or that yeah. was like some. That's what somebody had told me. I wasn't there. I didn't witness this. I heard it like the next day. I feel like there had to have been like holiday party action or something. You would get good money during, or like big parties that would come in during the day, or kind automatic of automatic grat situation. We ha- okay. So the reason why I stayed there for so long is because after about six months, I started working there. They go, hey. We're putting gratuity on every fucking check. Oh hell and yeah! Yes, it was great. That's magic. It was so it was so great because, and you know why it was magic? Because a lot of people didn't fucking notice the automatic gratuity on there. So you got yeah. double tips. Yeah, and as every server knows, if there's autograt and somebody tips on top of it, you do not tell them. Nope. No, you don't say shit. You uh, being a server made me a bad person. <laughs> It makes you a little bit of a bad person. It's Real a sh- hustle. Yeah. But you're also like, it's not my job to explain the bill to them unless they have a particular question, you know, because like what? Like I'm going to circle the line that says gratuity included to make sure they know. Yeah. yeah. And if no. you get double tip there and you keep the money, there's no way you can go back to the Amish land now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did have a woman pull me aside she goes, here's this. My husband's a terrible tipper. And like it was around the holidays. And I think she gave me like 50 bucks. Uh, but there was also autograt and he did not notice. Oh, I love that. I worked with some really cool people and some really fucking horrible people. There were so many sca- – there's a dude who I really liked. He was like funny. And I could like fuck around with him, but he was stealing people's credit card information and Ooh, stuff. Yeah. Uh, like had one of those scanners that you buy online, Come. could swipe people's cards and then like have it and make a copy of it later. I mean, this is literally like, you know, for, for people who listen to this podcast, who who are curious about servers, you know, and then on our job and what we do, gotta say, I've not, never not heard of the this. norm. Never. No, it is not. It's like the FBI came in and stuff. And, Holy schmoly. And had been watching him for a while and then busted him. Do they like come in and they're like, table for two in this guy's section? And do they sit in his section, make him wait on him? And then like at the end, they were like, you're arrested. That because that'd be pretty baller. That's no. how I would have done it. If I would have done it that way. Would have they didn't do it there. Like they went to his house. Oh. Yeah, boomer. Because like, whoa. I mean, <laughs> that's fucking terrible. Jesus. Here's a tip: learn the difference between kindness and niceness, because niceness can be faked and kindness cannot. Wow. God damn it. Nice save. Nice save. Guys, so here's a tip. Y'all ready? Ready. And it's not really a great tip. I think this just goes to, I want to underscore, fucking tip your Lyft and Uber drivers, people. You know, if they are getting you to and from your destination while you've been drinking, like, they're the new weekend warrior. You know what I'm saying? They're the ones who are out on weekend nights driving everyone's asses around, and they don't do that great. You know, the system is is set up for failure for a lot of them. So yes, like a couple bucks when you tip on top of that. And if they're chatty and cool and whatever, I've had the best time networking, talking. Usually they have hopes and dreams and aspirations just like anybody else. And this is their side hustle too. So if I can take care of your Lyft and Uber drivers, people. All right. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Side Work. Um, again, thank you so much, everyone who's new and listening. We love you. We're excited that you're connecting with us. Send us your stories. And uh, yeah, don't forget to 
subscribe. Hit that five star button if you if you like what you're listening smash to. Smash it! Smash it! Smash that five star button. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Joss. Joss, your sound um, levels are. I don't care. Fuck yeah with the sound levels. Let's end on some mouth noises and ASMR. Mm. <laughs> okay, Andrea just died. All right, <laughs> see you next week. Hey, if you guys are enjoying the podcast, please review us on iTunes and follow, subscribe, do all of the things. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Baby, we in your face. Thank you.